Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2,227. Today we're down under. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Guess where I am today? New South Wales, Australia. That's right, the other side of the world, down under, with a very special guest by the name of Mark Howa. Mark, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? I was born already, Mark. <laughs> yeah, I kind of think you were. Now, before we get into what you are doing, which is absolutely spectacular, and a book that's been produced here by my friends at Motorbooks that is equally as spectacular, well, maybe not as spectacular as you are, would you share one little thing with people that are listening today that maybe most people don't know about you? Oh, um, funnily enough, I was more of a rev head car guy than I was motorcycles. So I only got into motorcycles when I started the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride 11, 12 years ago, and I've been a car guy since I was 18. Wow. Well, that's pretty cool. Well, you know, I always say if it rolls on rubber, I love it. So we're, I'm happy with bikes, cars, whatever it might be, even, uh, you know, motorcycles, but uh, bicycles, it, skateboards even. Used to ride a lot of those when I was a kid growing up in Southern California when I had long hair and was surfing. So uh, I think we're going to have fun today. So let me give you a proper introduction. Mark Howa is the founder of the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride. The events unite classic and vintage style motorcycle riders from all over the world to raise funds and awareness for men's health issues, including prostate cancer research and awareness and men's health issues as well. The ride was founded in Sydney, Australia, after Mark watched the TV show Mad Men and the actor Don Draper was astride a classic bike wearing his finest suit. Thus the inspiration. Mark decided the themed ride would be a great way of connecting a niche motorcycle enthusiasts and communities for our raising funds to support the men and their lives. His motto and mission is riding dapper for a cause. And he and his supporters have raised over 37 and a half million dollars for this. Oh my gosh, this is incredible. This is how a passion turns into reality. We're going to be back in just a moment, but first a word from our sponsor. So give them a little love. They put the fuel in the tanks here and we'll be right back. Covercraft's newest three-layer all-climate cover is especially engineered for moderate weather conditions. Plus, it's treated with an extra UV-resistant formula. It's very soft, it's breathable, and it's easy to store while pampering your paint, providing maximum UV rain and dust protection. If you live where it's windy, well, simply add their gust guards for those windy conditions for extra protection. Your three-layer all-climate cover is custom-tailored with Covercraft's attention to detail, form, and fit with the quality and specifics that have been their standard since 1965. Covercraft protects cars, trucks, motorcycles, RVs, trailers, and your watercraft too. Every one of my vehicles is protected by a Covercraft cover, whether it's stored inside or out. And I've got a deal for you. If you use the code yeah 21 at Covercraft.com, you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order. That's right, 10% off. Just use the code YEAH21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. Most people don't think about their collector car insurance until their annual premium becomes due. Well, why wait and see if there are better options for your beloved rides? 
I didn't. Did you know if you change carriers before your policy runs out, your insurance company has to refund you the unearned portion of your policy premium? I did my homework. I shopped around and I found American Collectors Insurance. They've been protecting collector vehicles since 1976. I encourage you to call my friends at American Collectors Insurance. Ask them about their agreed value policy. And if your collector vehicle is on your regular auto policy, you will be shocked at the savings, not to mention the assurance, should something bad happen to your ride, that you'll get what your vehicle is actually worth. Give them a call today for a quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of Mark Green at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. That's American Collectors Insurance. Give them a call today. You've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine here on Cars Yeah for a couple of years now. Well, they're growing. And in 2023, they're going to grow from four issues a year to six And there's an opportunity here for you to take advantage of this growth. If you go to LinkageMag.com and click on the Renew button, if you already subscribe, you can get a great deal. Use the code RENEW6 for one year and you'll get six issues for the price of four or type in RENEW12 for two years where you also have a great savings. Plus, they'll even throw in a free Linkage hat. How cool is that? The publisher of Linkage is Donald Osborne. He's been a guest multiple times here on Cars Yeah. He's become a good friend of mine, and I'll tell you, Linkage Magazine is one of those newer magazines that you're going to want to get. It's all about experiences, opinions, and values. It's a wonderful publication, something I look forward to getting, and now that I'm going to be getting six a year, (laughs) even more special. So go to Linkage mag.com again use the code renew6 or renew12 to get that special deal do it before december 31st 2022 so that in 2023 you'll get six issues of linkage magazine instead of four so mark uh we are back so the success of a dgr as we like to call it uh, has become uh, so much more than just charity. It's a global moto family that you've created of fashion and motorcycles and people bringing the world together for great causes. But I want to go back a little bit further before we dive into the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride and talk about you, how you got to this point and what was the journey like. So Mark, uh, put your leg over the bike, uh, twist the wrist and take us for a little ride. Yeah, I think it started before motorcycles. So I was riding to um, classic Mazda rotaries and I used to organize meets and, and really try and get a community together based around, uh, I guess, my passion, which was classic Mazdas. And I think that's probably the start of the journey. I've always been into hospitality, always been a bit of an extrovert, love being social. So for me, it's it's pretty common to throw parties and try and bring people together and uh, I was in Japan, would have been about 12 years ago, and I, I sort of fell in love with the motorcycle culture in Japan. I saw these these Yamaha SR400 motorcycles, and every single bike that I saw was modified differently. Uh, and it was almost an extension of their personality in the way that they were customizing these vehicles. And I thought that was cool. I mean, you know, from not really being in the motorcycle world, I'd only just gotten my motorcycle license a few weeks before I went to Japan. And then seeing these wonderful creations, 
I thought, cool, I'm going to get a Yamaha SR when I get back to Sydney. So I ended up buying a Yamaha SR500 um, and, and modifying it into something that was custom and unique to me. And from that point onwards, I was learning how to ride. I was riding by myself and pretty quickly I got to the point of, again, being a super social guy thinking, wow, this is really boring riding motorbikes by yourself. <laughs> right. well, I uh, ended up starting a motorcycle group called Sydney Cafe Races and the goal was how do we bring people together that have the same interest in quirky, custom and classic motorcycles. And it took off. It just happened to be when you had places like the bike shed opening, you had dais that were really prominent. There were all these motorcycle places and this sort of new wave of classic motorbikes and cafe races being reinvigorated with younger and older guys. Um, And it was just the right time, right place. That group went from me, myself and I to 30 people to 1,000 people to 5,000 people and then – yeah, we ended up starting Perth Cafe Races, Melbourne, Canberra, Newcastle, um, Brisbane, and all these different cafe racer groups around Australia. And then in following years, we had like um, Paris, Milan, and all these other groups that sort of associated. And again, it was never a financial thing. It was always how do we just get people together? And, you know, people naturally wanted t-shirts and merchandise and bits and pieces and and we did create them and all that money that we made from it literally went into the the end of year um, pub crawl for Christmas and we used to get through six or seven pubs without having to spend any money out of our own pockets. (laughs) Nice, nice. Well, you know how to throw a party, my friend. Uh, Yeah, that definitely sounds cool. You know, you're you're a lot what Cars Yeah is all about, how you wrap your passion for something into your life. And it's amazing how so many people I've spoken to over the years have done what you've done. They've created some kind of a fun thing, and it's grown and grown. In some cases, it's just gotten out of control. Uh, it's gotten so big, bigger than the person that started it, but that's really what it's all about. But more importantly, you've converted this into a charity device, a support group device to help men and some specific men's health issues. So at what point did that become a part of the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride? Well, so I just started the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride, I think it was 11 years ago, 2012. And the first year, the whole idea was how do we break this negative stereotype of people riding motorcycles and people looking down on riders as if they're a one percenter, um, as if they're a bad influence. And so from year one, it was how do we break the stereotype? And we knew that that stereotype existed in a lot of cultures around the world, right? Especially like mm-hmm. America, Australia, Canada, and the UK, New Zealand. And the idea was, okay, well, if we put these suits on and ride these classic motorcycles and go through the heart of every single city that we can with a nice royal wave and stopping politely to let people cross the road, we can start to shift that mentality. And we saw it in the first year. I remember, you know, riding down the main street of Sydney and you would almost sort of see this fear of of a lady pushing her pram and hearing the roar of 400 motorcycles. But by the time she turned around and saw us waving, it was a smile. Right. And then we got to the end of that main street in Sydney City. There was a person literally standing on their car with their iPad recording all these guys and girls dressed up in suits and lovely dresses rolling through as one big sort of entourage. And, you know, we knew that it was something special from day one. From day one, we were in, I think it was 60 cities across 15 countries, two and a half thousand riders. And and to be honest, the idea hadn't set in yet as to 
how do we make this something more important? It was only when a friend of mine, Nigel, approached me and he said, Mark, I work for the Prostate Cancer Foundation. The issue that we have at the moment is men still think that a uh, finger up the backside is the only way to get tested for prostate cancer and they're not having that conversation with their doctor. And I've gone, okay, well, what's the alternative solution? And they've gone, well, you can actually do a blood test now and that's the first stage. And so for me, I'm, you know, I'm not a macho guy. I'm a pretty chilled out sort of person. I've gone, well, you know what, if I can take that challenge of breaking down these men on their motorcycles that even most of the time think that they're big and burly, then let's have a little bit of fun with it. And um, in the second year, we set the goal at 250000 Australian dollars. Uh, and everyone said that we we're absolutely crazy for thinking we we're going to raise anything more than $50,000. And on the day of the event, um, we were celebrating the end of the ride and everyone just started cheering. And I'm like, oh, what's everyone clapping for? And someone had their phone out and they're looking at the countdown. Um, and the ticker and it basically hit 250,000 Australian dollars and that was the second year and then from there it just continued to snowball. Wow yeah this is tremendous. I had a guest on years ago she and her husband put on a car show and he got prostate cancer he didn't get tested wasn't looking for PSA tests and ended up passing away and she decided I'm gonna do something about this because this is terrible and so part of their car show began uh, are big, they started doing a blood test to show men that there's another way to get tested for the preliminary part of this. And to this day, years later, they've saved hundreds, probably thousands of lives of people that had no idea. And so isn't it a wonderful thing? I mean, and the fact that you're raising so much money for this. Now, the other part of it is mental health, which has really come to the forefront since COVID because COVID created, well, your country had serious issues with COVID. I mean, everybody did, but it seemed like Australia was having some real difficult times with it, with the way the government handled it. Ours didn't do a good job either, by the way. So, um, <laughs> you know, the fact that mental health got exacerbated or it enlightened more to it. And I think now we as people understand mental health, I hope most people, as a different, it doesn't have that stigma, I don't think anymore. Even when you go to the doctor, they ask, how are you doing? Like, how's your mental health? And at first you go, why are you asking? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm okay. But the fact that they're even saying that now opens the doors for opportunity if you're having those issues. And I think men, and especially men who ride motorcycles, burly men, we don't need no stinking mental health issues. You know, we're men, but we do, right? Yeah, we do. So how did that play into it? And I think on that note, I mean, there's been a huge transition over the last 12 years um, with the mental health side and what we've seen in our office and what we've seen across our events as well. So I guess to go back to the start, I mean, we transitioned into the mental health space around six or seven years ago. So we were primarily focused on prostate cancer. You know, we had 100,000 riders taking part in our event every year and we sort of got to the point where we were like, okay, we're teaching these guys something about prostate cancer. We know they're getting tested. We're getting the emails and the phone calls on a, on a weekly basis saying, hey, if it wasn't for you, we'd be dead. And those were the conversations happening. And then it got to a point where we lost one of our riders to suicide uh, two weeks after one of our rides. And we sat there and said, okay, well, there is a big issue here as well that we're not focusing on. And that's the mental health of these riders. And like you said at the start of this, this interview slash podcast, 
it's a community to us. So it's what can we do to support our community as well? Um, and that's where we started to do the transition into the mental health space. And we started off at 10% of donations went to mental health and 90% went to prostate and then it shifted to 80-20. And for the last few years, it's been 50-50 because we realize how important it is. And as a society, we're getting better at talking. And you are right, even the doctors asking those specific questions, it's becoming more acceptable to the point where 10 years ago, if I organized a, a meet, you weren't hearing guys talk about personal issues. Whereas four weeks ago, we went for a motorbike ride and there's two guys that are talking about testicular cancer and having their testicles removed. And you sit there and you overhear this conversation and you go, that didn't, that didn't happen 10 years ago and it wouldn't have happened. So we are getting better at becoming, uh, weak is not the right word. Um, let's just say a little bit more open about how we feel um, and, and being a, a little bit less macho. And, and I think the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride has, has played its role in that motorcycle community in doing it. And the fact of the matter is, even if you don't take part in the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride, what the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride has achieved through the programs that we fund through the awareness that we've raised has actually been something that's been able to help men globally, irrespective of whether or not they even ride a motorbike. Yeah. Well, the fact that, and we'll get to the book in a little bit because the book is just marvelous. It has a character to it from the front cover onward that you read it. And even if you don't ride a bike, you want to go get one and participate because it just looks like so much fun. It looks like a lot of people having a really grand time, men and women. Uh, bikes, of course, all of us who love cars, typically we like some aspect of bikes because they're mechanical and so forth. So it's really tremendous. You know, I always like to ask people about mentors or what I call are driving inspirations in their lives that push them into this thing that they're doing. What was your driving inspiration that got you to where you are now with the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride? That's that's a big question. I think um, I've always had mentors and by mentors, they're literally people that have been either younger than me or older than me that have given me advice. Um, so I've always been one to, to not necessarily always take it, but to listen and, and, and decide whether or not it was um, important for us. Uh, I think the driving factor, honestly, has been the people that take part in the actual events. I mean, I know when I first started this, this this was an idea. It was let's work on it, let's do it for a few years, and let's just package this up and gift it to a charity. Um, this isn't a business. This isn't something that I'm going to work in for the rest of my life. I'm hospitality background. I love being behind the coffee machine. I love being behind the bar. I love serving people. I love hanging out with people. Um, and so come the second year when we had that first phone call um, that basically was a guy from Kent in the UK and he said, Mark, if it wasn't for you, I'd be dead. Um, to be honest, it's been the emotional blackmail that led me <laughs> to the point <laughs> of continuing to do this. And I did continue to do it for, I think the first paycheck came five years into it. And so literally I'm living at home with my parents and they're like, why don't you go to university like your brother? <laughs> like, yeah. and, and sort of it's really hard to explain to older ethnic parents that, you know, you've created this thing that's helping save people's lives, but you're still living in the same house, eating their food and not paying any board. Right. Um, 
So I guess, yeah, the, the, the reason would be, funnily enough, emotional blackmail, unintentional emotional blackmail. Well, you know, sometimes that works and whatever works in a positive way and, and brings a positive solution to something as great as what you've done. Hey, why not? It works. So I think it's absolutely tremendous. We'll take a short break and thank our sponsors. We want to come back and talk about what I always call the, the challenge question. Some of the challenges or a big challenge you faced with this whole endeavor. So uh, get your bow tie adjusted, you know, your uh, vest buttoned up and we'll be right back. Fall is here and you know what that means. Time to put a good coat of protection on your vehicle. I'm teamed up with AutoGeek and they've been the leading source of auto detailing products, accessories, and expert knowledge for more than 20 years. What started back in 1997 as a small mail order catalog company grew into a multi-website based e-commerce store and that's what they are today. With a large online presence on its own website featuring close to 100 different brands, AutoGeek has grown to be the largest car care retailer in the country. AutoGeek's wholesale program serves accounts in over 30 countries, and its retail sector ships worldwide. If you want to protect your vehicle this fall, and you should, go to AutoGeek.net for the best product selection on the internet today and technical support. AutoGeek.net is where I go for my detailing needs. That's AutoGeek.net. Cars yeah has teamed up with TechForce Foundation, one of our charities of choice, to help young people who love cars, problem solving, and working with their hands pursue careers as professional technicians. From auto, collision, and restoration techs to motorcycle boats, race cars, and aviation, TechForce covers the gamut of technician opportunities. Technical education and the skills trades matter, and we need qualified skilled technicians to keep our vehicles rolling. Learn how you can help to power the technical workforce at techforce.org today. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. So Mark, uh, no doubt this entire endeavor had some challenges to it, probably still does to this day. I mean, anytime you're organizing this many people to do so many events, and now it's become a global empire, if you will. Uh, what was the biggest challenge from this? But what was the positive side of that challenge? That is what you learned from it that you could carry forward to make this even more successful. Yeah, I think for us, there's still challenges to this day. I mean, it, we've been running this for 11 years, going on to the 12th year, and every day we're met with something unique. I know back in the earlier days, it was basically even from a structural perspective of how do you structure something like this on a global scale? And then how do you sort of scale it out? How do you look at how to manage an insurance policy, risk assessment, risk acceptance? There was so much due diligence that was required to be able to put this on in a way where that if something went wrong, it would continue to run and we would still be able to maintain some of these relationships with our sponsors and our charities. And then even from a sponsorship perspective, you sit there and go, okay, well, how do we make sure that the sponsors are also protected in this endeavor as well? So it's literally would be a whole new podcast in itself to go through the, the, the layout of how we've been able to manage it all. But I think from a er very early stage, and it would have been uh, 2013, I remember in our first 
office literally breaking out into tears, just going, this is too difficult to try and figure out. But very quickly within sort of a, a, a bit of a reset, which my reset is I fall asleep and I wake up fresh again <laughs> um, and I don't have that anxiety around it. But within a reset, we were able to find the solution. And then it was from that point that I sort of realized that, Yes, we're going to continue to have what we sort of felt at that point were dead ends, but they're actually just hurdles and it's just a matter of how high can you jump? And 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 we still deal with that on a daily basis. As you can imagine, we're now in 805 cities across 105 countries dealing with 805 different councils, 805 different police departments, um, differing ideas of what insurance is required at different venues. It is a beautiful logistical nightmare. Well, no kidding. How big's your staff? It's five of us. <laughs> five. Holy cow. Uh, this it's is a... Four in Australia and one in the Netherlands. Wow. Well, this is a labor of love, no doubt. If you were able to see your crystal ball looking ahead, what's your bucket list for where you're going to go next with this? Um, I think for us, it's we're at that point now where we sort of feel that most of the motorcycle community in that classic space know about the events. And because the event's really tailored towards you know, classic and niche motorcycles, we're very comfortable with where we're at. I mean, and I think the goal from this point onwards is if we can raise $6 million US million a year, continue to remind these guys every couple of years to get checked, make sure they're getting checked, that's a fantastic outcome for us uh, and for the Movember Foundation. Um, the goal for us now is how do we now look at the fact that we're so passionate about cars as well and, and make sure that we start to spread this through through the car world. And, you know, we launched the Distinguished Drive, uh, Gentleman's Drive two years ago and we've already started raising, I think it's three hundred or 400000 US dollars a year. So the goal is to really grow that. It's a fantastic event where, you know, these classic cars with these guys and girls dressed up, just it works so well. And the structure of it is very different to the ride because in that initial year of the ride, I wanted to break that stereotype. Um, you know, and have people see the guys and girls dressed up really eloquently and, and all the rest of it. This one is, you know, you don't have that stereotype in the car world. So this one is actually, no, this is not a cars and coffee. Have the coffee, but we're actually going to go for a fantastic 100, 150 mile drive. We're going to finish up here. We're going to have a bit of a presentation and then you're going to head back home while raising funds for the Movember Foundation. And so I think the crystal ball is, focusing on the drive and really growing that um, and, and looking at ways of how do we get all the automotive brands on board to actually support it as well. Well, when you think about the automotive world, the, the people that I first think of that are the ones who dress up are like the 50s folks, you know, the, the 50s classic cars, you see the girls dress in the, the big poodle skirts and the guys with the rolled up, you know, cigarettes in their t-shirt and jeans. But how would you describe to our listeners your attire, because I mean, when you see it, you go, okay, I get it. But for since podcasts are not visual, but hopefully everybody will go that's listening will go and buy the book. How would you describe what a dapper man looks like? I, it's, it's a really difficult question, funnily enough, because again, we're talking across multiple cultures globally. But for us, the reason that we use dapper is because generally, if someone understands what dapper means, it means dressing up in a lovely suit for ladies, dressing up in a lovely gown. But then you've also got, you know, the guys that can really pull it off as a, with more of a smart casual look, a really nice blazer and pants. Um, and so it is difficult because then you look at different cultures, like for instance, in, uh, in, in, 
India or Indonesia where where dapper, their cultural outfits, you know, to us are quite dapper. And, and a lot of the times you're in these different cultures that can't afford to go and buy a brand new suit. So we sit there and go, well, no, wear your, wear your beautiful cultural outfits. And that to us is also our personal definition of what it is to dress dapper as well. We're going to talk a little bit about your passion for things that move. And I always like to ask my guests about a special vehicle story. And this could be a car or a bike in your case, but one that stands out in your world. What is that? And tell us a little bit about that ride. It is uh, It is definitely the Mazda Cosmo 110S. That's my favorite car of all time. Okay. So it was literally the first ever rotary that Mazda put into a car. And it was designed around the same time of the uh, the great American and Russian space race. So it was called a Cosmo and the interior oh, yeah. very much fitting of a spaceship, the outside of it. Uh, sort of resembles it with these sort of, uh, I guess, Thunderbird-style tail lights above and below the actual rear bumper looking like a bit of a rocket ship. And, um, yeah, I saw one, again, when I was in Japan, when I first sort of fell in love with those Yamaha SR400s and seeing that car in person for me, it was like, that has got to be one of the most beautifully car- designed cars I have ever seen in my life. Japan is cool. I went there, gosh, I have not been there for over 20 years. Interestingly enough, I was made there, which is kind of a sidebar, but (laughs) at any rate, I did get back there finally. And the thing that stood out to me because I was there as part of a a business that I was creating with a a couple of business partners and the culture there, the car culture and the bike culture is what you were saying. It's intense. I mean, it's really intense and they do a lot of creative things. And when you go to other countries, of course, you get to see models you never saw here in the United States and vice versa. So I understand. I mean, you fall in love with stuff you didn't even know even existed and you go, okay, how can I bring that back into my world? So I think that's pretty cool. The Cosmo. Yeah, that is a cool one. So I have a doctorate in car psychology. I'm going to crawl into your skull a little bit here, Mark. If you were reincarnated, pun intended, as a vehicle, what would you be and why? <laughs> I would be a Mazda Cosmo one ten. <laughs> that one again. Okay, so the the other part of the question, other than you love it, what are the things about that Mazda Cosmo that associate with you? I think the fact that it's different, it's got a rotary engine. I mean, I think if you met anyone that's known me for more than uh, for more than an hour, they'll tell you that I'm a pretty quirky guy. Um, forever, you know, you'd think that as the distinguished gentleman's ride founder that I'd be in a suit in this meeting. However. I'm in a black T-shirt with really colorful jungle safari shorts. <laughs> um, and, and that's pretty much forever what I sort of wear in this office environment. Um, for me, I've always loved small cars. And I don't know if it's because I'm a bigger guy. I'm six foot one. And I mean, in our we use kilograms as our metric, but I'm 110 kilograms. Yet all my cars are small. And I think there's just always been something that's attracted me to, to small vehicles. Um, and I've got a hell of a lot of small vehicles because – of the fact that that's what draws me into it. So I think if I had to put it down to why would I be a Mazda um, Cosmo 110S, it's because it's uh, it's rare, it's beautiful, like me, and um, it's quirky. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Very nice answer to that question. You know, I'm really lucky, listeners, because after this talk, we're going to go on a little WhatsApp ride around his office, and I'm going to get to see all the goodies and toys that are there, but uh, uh, I, I'm in for a treat, I think. You know, I always ask about books. Of course, today we're talking about the uh, Motor Books published book, The Distinguished Gentleman's Ride, a decade of dapper uh, that you put together. How did the book all come together? What what happened that caused this to occur? 
Um, I think it's sort of it, it came pretty naturally. Uh, we got to ten years and we've gone, okay, well, how do we turn this into something that's tactile? Um, you know, I'm in a position now where obviously we work on computers on a daily basis. Um, I also happen to be in a position where I hate working on computers on a daily basis. Yeah, uh, me too. And, and I'm more of a physical guy. I mean, if you sat there and said, Mark, look out this magazine online, it would be, I'd rather look at the physical version of that magazine. Um, and in fact, I still buy magazines. It's just, I, I, I like the tactile nature of it. Too. So it came to how do we create something that showcases the 10 years of what this event has achieved. And the event's so much more than me or any other guys in these office. It's how do you take the stories of the people that have taken part in the event, the stories of our community and put it into something that can be shared with other people that pick it up, other people that read it, or you know, in 50, 60, 70 years' time when we're no longer here, it still exists in a form that someone can pick it up and go, oh, wow, what a quirky little event before everything went electric. Yeah, yeah, it's wonderful. You know, the book, uh, for you listeners, the book is huge. And let's see here, I've got it in my hands. How many pages is this thing? 230-plus pages? I mean, it's giant. Yeah, it's, giant. It's, a, it's a big book. There's yeah. a lot. There's a lot in there. <laughs> well, and what's wonderful is the book, if I can describe this nicely, it takes you on a wonderful journey along with all the participants and all the events you put together. Because as you go through, you see very beautiful pictures, smiles of everybody. Uh, you see all the different bikes. It's not just a picture book of vehicles, which are fine, but it inflects all the people which is what all of this is really about. I've learned after so many talks is motorcycles, trucks, cars are just the catalyst that bring us all together. And when we get together, we do great things. And that's exactly what's happened with you in this book. So I'm going to put links on uh, Mark's show notes page so you can get your hands on this book. And you know what? It's the holiday season. Buy one for some of your buddies. Uh, this would make a great gift. Uh, I think it'll bring a smile to anybody's face. So we'll put links to that as well. Now, I always enable my listener, not my listeners, I wish I could enable all my listeners, my guests to go on what I call the ultimate ride or drive. And what this means is I'm going to provide you with any vehicle in the world. If you want it to be a the most cool old bike, I'll do that. Or if you want to go on a car, since you've started venturing into that, uh, you're going to wear your best clothes, of course, just for me. And you can take anybody on this ride or drive, even somebody who's no longer with us, which opens the world to a wide variety of people. So what does the ultimate ride or drive look like for you, Mark? Oh, I would have to, I would have to choose a motorcycle. I mean, yes, I love cars, but there's something about a motorcycle on an amazing road and just having that sort of that wind on your face with an open face helmet. So let's, we'll go a motorcycle. It would probably have to be something 1940s, 1950s, um, a pre-unit Triumph perhaps, or even sort of a Vincent Black Shadow, something, Ooh. something that's got, uh, yeah, a nice amount of power for it and still maneuverable in twisties. It would have to be a hell of a lot of twisty roads. And who would I take on that, on that ride? You know what? There's probably only one person I can think of, and it's really funny because I've always said there's only one person, one celebrity-style person that I would ever stop and ask for a photo, and that happened a few years ago where I met Mark Webber, the Formula One race car driver. Yeah. Um, and you know what? I think I'm going to stick to Mark Webber. I don't know if he rides motorbikes, but being an Australian F1 driver back in, in you know, the, the 90s, noughties uh, as a racer, um, I think I choose to hang out with Mark Webber. <laughs> You know, Mark Weber to me seemed like just one of those nice guys. I mean, you look at all the F1 drivers and the little bits we get to see of them. 
give you a little bit of their personality. Of course, social media and, and the news either makes that better or worse. But Mark Weber always seemed to be very kind and very nice. Right? A lovely Australian character, but that being said, I also need to now sit there and go, wait a second, you did say even if they had passed away, they would still magically come back to life and you'd be able to join them. So we're going to scrap Mark Webber and we're going to go with Ed and Senna. Oh, okay. Now my favorite. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Senna, yeah, and he is. In fact, uh, even on the back of my business card, I have one of his quotes, which is, the past is just data. I only see the future. <laughs> yeah, Ayrton Senna. Okay, yeah. Now that would be cool. I don't think I'd want him driving or riding, though. He'd have to be in the back because that guy would scare the <laughs> heck out of anybody. I mean, he was just talking about balls to the walls and testicles. <laughs> I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. that guy, uh, holy cow, he knew how to go for it. And uh, he had such a great spirit about him. We've got a couple of artworks in the office based around him as well. So, yeah, yeah. it's... Very good. Well, I think Mark Weber won't feel too bad if he's being uh, pushed aside for Ayrton. No kidding. You know, you've <laughs> taken us on a, a marvelous ride today. And what you're doing is just my hats off to you and your team and all the participants and the donors, everybody involved. This is such a magical story. And as I peeled back the layers of this onion, because at first when I got the book, I went, oh, a pretty picture book of people dressed up on bikes. This is nice. And then I started learning more about you and what you're doing. And it really, I just went, wow, this is a story that has to be told. And and I hope some listeners out there get involved in any way they can reach out to you. And what are some of the ways for people to reach out to you and learn more or get involved in some way? Yeah, I think the best way is through, um, if they're social media savvy, through the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride on Facebook or even just at Gentleman's Ride on Instagram. Um, and the website is www.gentlemansride.com. But I mean... It's such a unique name that even if they just typed it into Google, it would show up with absolutely everything. And it's, uh, yeah, like you said about the book, it is it is like peeling back an onion. There's so many layers and it goes through the 10-year history and the artwork and the people and some of the stories of survival. Um, and, and I think really what people will get from there and what they'll get from our blog is is basically the fact that this is something that's changing the world. Um, and, you know, if they'd like to join us on the journey, get in touch with us because, you know, there's even if they're not a rider, there's still these fantastic viewpoints where they can see the events take place that we can share with them so that they can go there and experience it in person. And with the expansion to vehicles, uh, most everybody has a vehicle so they can get involved in that way. So I think that's tremendous. You know, before I let you go, could you share maybe uh, some words of inspiration, a success quote or a, a mantra with us that uh, leaves us with even more inspiration as if you haven't given us enough today? <laughs> oh, this is going to take me a few minutes to think of. I'm going to have to turn around to the boys. Boys, what do I normally say in the office that's inspirational apart from telling you guys to go get coffee? <laughs> Enjoy it. Enjoy the moment where you haven't. Yeah, there is something that I do say. <laughs> I mean, really, I don't have many inspirational quotes. The, the, one quote that, the one quote that I do have is you can't be something for everyone. And if you try to, you're going to fail. And that's literally been the mantra. And people sort of, people get so caught up in, in trying to be something that everyone can accept. But the problem is we are all wired, wired so individually that you cannot be everything for everyone. Um, so basically, I, I guess that probably has to be my quote. Don't try and be something for everyone. Well, and of course, the other one is riding dapper for a cause. There you go. That too. And 
I think definitely for a cause. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. I'll put links on Mark Shono's page so that all of you listening can learn more about this. You can get involved. And I'll leave you with this, Mark. I've spoken with a lot of people over the last eight and a half years. And there's one thing I've learned that has opened my world and my eyes and my listeners to what the secret sauce to a happy life is. And you figured that out. And that is finding ways to take our passion and do good things for other people. That is the secret sauce to life. And that's why you have a permanent smile on your face all the time <laughs> during our talk here. So again, my hat's off to you. And I want to do a shout out. Thank you to our friend, Steve Roth at Motorbooks. He's the one that connected me with Mark today, motorbooks.com. They have an incredible selection of automotive, motorcycle books, and a whole lot more. So please go check them out. They bring a lot of great guests here to Cars. Yeah, motorbooks.com is a place to be. Mark, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing an amazing thing you're doing with the distinct gentleman's ride until you and i talk again i'll see you hopefully on a distinguished gentleman's ride thanks Mark. thanks for having me this was wonderful thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at cars yeah drive on over to cars to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun download your free copy of filler up a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!